Brought to you by the Cabell County Public Library. Between Two Shelves brings you a new look on the day-to-day -day life of a library. From youth services to circulation and beyond, our episodes will lend you the world here at the Cabell County Public Library. Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of Between Two Shelves, a podcast of the Cabell County Public Library. I'm your host, Jacob, and today I'm joined by Miranda from our Information Referral Department. Thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm all right. Well, we will just get started with our first question then. What exactly is it that Information Referral does? Uh, information and Referral's mission is to link people with needs to the appropriate resources to meet their needs. So what that means is, A, we maintain a database of community resources so that when someone calls us and presents with a need, we are able to then direct them where they need to go to an appropriate resource. B, we also screen for like local food and clothing pantries, diapers, cleaning supplies, a lot of those things are also available. So we screen for them and we offer referrals to those different locations. Information and referral really does a lot, so you'd kind of have to call us with your need so we could try and find a resource for, for it. Sure. We have had someone call us because a goat fell down a hole and they needed a resource. That's uh, interesting. What exactly was the resource you gave them for that one? Uh, we had them call West Virginia Wildlife. Oh. It was all we could think of. That's an interesting one. And the fire department the fire. to come and help with their truck. That's, that's, that's kind of funny. I mean, <laughs> they needed, they had a need. And you were here to help them. Like I said, you, you with goat problems. You present with a need. <laughs> well, how did you get involved with INR? Um, I actually applied for a job at the Cabell County Library because I was looking for somewhere with just good benefits because I was kind of fed up with not having sick leave, not having things like that. I didn't actually apply for INR. I had just applied for pretty much any job within the library, and HR actually saw my resume and saw the experience I had like in the human service field. I've worked kind of like doing social work type jobs. I've been a caseworker before, things of that nature in the past. So she saw that on my resume and called me and said, this job is opening up. She told me what INR was, asked if I would be interested in taking that one and interviewing for that job specifically. And it just was the perfect fit. So. Well, what are some of the biggest challenges facing our underserved population here in the area? Barriers to resources. Uh, one of those, of course, is transportation. Big one is um, transportation, especially because a lot of people in rural areas who need even just that transportation to get them to and from employment. Yeah. If you're out in an area where there's no bus route, and you don't have transportation, you don't have a car, that messes things up. But also we've had people who have lost jobs because the job scheduled them for a time when the bus didn't run. Mm -hmm. And even though the job knew that the bus didn't run at that time, these people relied on the bus to get there and they couldn't. Yeah. And they lost the job for not showing up even though there was no option. I know one of the things that's uh, sort of struck me in my time working down there in the reference department is just the lack of computer literacy. In this that department. is a big one. There is a lack of A, 
being able to access the internet in the first place, which probably leads to that lack of computer literacy, because if you don't have it, you don't yeah. know how to work it. So there's that lack of access anyway, even if you would know how to use a computer. But there, you're right, there are so many people who have a lot of difficulty with computer literacy. And um, that's why we're actually really glad that we have the second floor here because when we have someone come in who needs to do something on the computer, yeah. because obviously we can't let them use our computers because there's sensitive information on there, privacy rules, all that. But we are able to knowingly send them to the second floor, just you know, hop on the elevator, go one floor down. There's gonna be a group of people that will willingly help you and happily help you get on the computer and work it, which is tremendous. Yeah, uh, the one thing that I've noticed a lot is um that also comes with like the cell phones too. Um, yes. We, we get a lot of questions about how do I get on the internet? Mm -hmm. How do I, can you connect me to the Wi-Fi? And sometimes it's, you can show them, sometimes it just hands you their tablet and says, here, get me on there. And a lot of things, a lot of things are now yeah. online. M most things are. Pretty much everything, uh, which is a big problem whenever you have an underserved population who doesn't have access to the internet. Yeah, they haven't been exposed to it. Yeah, so they need help with something, and they call to get the assistance, and you're like, oh, sure, here's the web address, go here, yeah. do this. And they're just like, um, how am I supposed to do that? I don't have a computer, I don't have internet, I don't know how to use a computer. Yeah. That's where it becomes another a barrier. Yeah. Um, there's also a lack of awareness of the programs, especially with people who, due to the pandemic, are now having to go from never needing assistance to now needing assistance for the first time. Yeah. Um, many families I have seen who've never, I mean, they've had really good paying jobs. Some of them have lost employment completely. Some of them suffering from long-term COVID symptoms are now going on disability and unable to go back to work and now find themselves with a much less income, like it's greatly reduced and they're now having to try to navigate the resources in the community and they don't they don't know how and it's difficult i have trouble doing it and it's my job yeah so it's it's hard mm -hmm. and i try to keep that in mind that pretty much every one of us who works in INR we're one paycheck away from being in the same exact position yeah well that brings me next to, to our next question here which is how can INR help people meet these challenges well First of all, listening. That is one of the biggest things, and a lot of people don't even realize how important it is to just sit down and listen. Specifically because sometimes when I'm listening to you tell me what's going on, other needs that you have that you don't even realize there are resources to come up in our conversation, and I'm able to give you resources for that as well. So listening, uh, providing advocacy um, on behalf of our client. A lot of times they will need someone who could call and even speak to the electric company, speak to a landlord, things of that nature on their behalf to advocate for them and to work with them on that. Also by providing them the information, yeah. basically. Um, and we're gonna work to find a solution pretty much no matter what. Like if you come to us, I'm gonna try and find a solution. Though sometimes there is no solution. And I hate 
yeah. to tell people that, but sometimes the solution is unfortunately that there is none. But we will work to try and find one. We'll call around, we'll ask people, we'll do what we can. Sure. Well, our, our last question here is, what are some of the programs which you would like to share with our listeners? Um, the first program I want to highlight is the COVID Rental Assistance Program. Mm -hmm. And we have it for people who are in the city limits of Huntington and can pay back rent for a few months. So if you're in the city limits of Huntington and have been impacted by COVID-19, your income has in any way, and that can be somehow documented, just reach out to us and we will see what we can do about getting you some help. Because it can also pay not just the rental arrears, it could also pay utility arrears. So utility and rental arrears at the same time, that can be a big help. Uh, we also have a homeless diversion and prevention program, which is aimed at preventing first-time homelessness. Uh, that is Evan, who kind of runs, does that one, Evan and Virginia. Virginia is, of course, the one who supervises the homeless grants. And then Evan will kind of work as the caseworker for someone who's been referred over through coordinated entry. Mm -hmm. um, and that looks like providing advocacy with landlords, sometimes going to court with the client, uh, working with someone who is not in a stable situation and at risk of losing housing until we can safely say that they are now stably housed. So that is another one. There's also the uh, reunification program for people who are homeless in the community and have a family or close friends outside of the area who are able to offer them a place to live. So if they would be leaving homelessness here and going to a stable housing system, we do have um, a resource to assist with that. That is all the questions I have for you. Okay. Uh, thanks for sitting down with me and doing this interview, and we will make sure to talk to you next time. All right, Jake from State Farm. It was nice to talk to you. Thanks.